You know, it's Christmas, and it is a really happy time. Everybody wants to be in a good mood. And I'm not going to destroy that at all, but I am going to be a realist up here because uh, Christmas, I'm a Christian, and so I believe that Christmas is a really big deal. It's, it's supposed to bring a lot of joy. But when I say I'm going to be a realist, I'm going to acknowledge the fact that there's a lot of gloom and pessimism in the in Auburn. I'll even in Auburn, there's a lot of gloom and pessimism. Whether you're looking at at polling data or just watching the news, you know that that folks aren't really optimistic about the future. Um, they might say the country's heading in the wrong direction. You might look at like extreme levels of anxiety, uh, depression, especially among the young, not only among the young, but especially among the young. Or then you go to Kroger or Walmart and you ever just walk around and just kind of look at people's faces? Aren't there just a lot of grumps? But you know, sometimes that's me too. I wonder how many times do I look like that? You know, there's like, man, is everybody really angry? What is going on? On. And whatever the causes are, there's lots of causes. So it's really complex. I'm not going to give you a simple explanation as to why things are that. But whatever the causes are, one of the things people aren't doing to fix the problem is they're not going to church. The churches are continually em- more and more empty. This, this church is, is maybe, uh, you know, for now anyways, we're in a good place and we're, we're growing a little bit, but most, most of them aren't. Big, small, Catholic, Protestant, mainline, evangelical, across the board, people aren't going, even people who say they're Christians are going to church less and less often. And it makes me, as a Christian, as somebody who thinks that, man, Jesus really ought to be a big part of the answer to the doom and gloom out there, right? It makes somebody like me say, but people are going to church less and less and less. And I wonder if, For a while now, they've just gotten something from church where they say, well, you know, Sunday morning comes around and I've had a long week and the kids are, you know, up and they're kind of taking their time getting ready. And well, I could either scream and yell and fight with them to get them dressed and out the door, or you know what? I could make a big breakfast and we could just relax. And they say, you know what? The value that I get from church is less than the value that I get from just relaxing and making a big breakfast. And for those of us who are Christians and who who take church seriously and who get a lot of value uh, and blessing from church, I mean, we need to think about that. That's a problem. That's a big problem. We're going to talk today. uh, You heard Blaze read you the scripture of a guy who doesn't get a lot of play in the Christmas story. Simeon is his name. He's not in any of y'all's nativity scenes. I promise you, he's not there. He just gets a few lines in the Gospel of Luke. But Luke says that he's righteous and he's devout. So he's obeyed all the rules and he's been a regular. He he is looking for his perspective. His eye view is on heaven. All right. He's a God-fearing Man, and somehow, we don't know how, but somehow the Holy Spirit has supernaturally told him, hey, something big's about to happen. God's going to show you his uh, solution to all the problems in the world. So Simeon's at the temple one day. The, fam- the Holy Family comes in, and they've got Jesus with them. They're there to dedicate him, to redeem him. I talked a little bit about that, what that, what that entails this morning's sermon. You can catch that on our podcast, YouTube website, if you want to listen to that. 
They bring Jesus, though, to the temple. Simeon proclaims in front of God and everybody, this child is the Lord's salvation to both Israel and the Gentiles and the whole world, okay? So it's an incredible thing. How is this child God's answer? How does this child help the grumpy Gus at Walmart, or how should it help the grumpy Gus at Walmart to feel a little bit better about the world, to feel a little bit better about his life? Because if it doesn't, man, we may as well all stay home on Sunday mornings. But he does. This child does provide a tremendous, tremendous source of hope. And it's my hope today to show you how that is true. We're going to do four things rather quickly today. We're going to first talk about what is hope, because Luke says that Simeon was looking forward to the consolation, the consolation of Israel. I'll get more back to that in just a second. We're going to ask, what is hope? We're going to ask, number two, what should the Christian hope for? We're going to ask, number three, what does Christmas then have to do with that hope? And then finally, four, why church? Let's tackle those four together. First, let's pray. God, would you please bless this story of Simeon that you, you've, read, you've had read to us this, this evening? Um, and it is from your word, from the Holy Scriptures. It's an important story. Would you please open our eyes and our hearts and our ears so that we can hear your voice more than mine? Whatever I say that's not from me, I pray that everybody just forgets it real quick. But whatever that is true and from you, I pray, Lord, that we just can't stop thinking about that stuff tonight, tomorrow, the next day, and into the, into the new year. Would you do that for us, Lord? We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what are you hoping for? What's your hope? What gets you up in the morning? Maybe let's start there. What's your motivation? American dream? Good, you know, my kid's turning out okay? A degree? Getting married someday? What is grandkids to hold? What gets you... Okay, think about that for a second. Because Simeon is looking for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation, I do this all the time on Sunday mornings. I put some blanks in the, in the if you want to take notes, take notes. If you don't, nobody's watching. So uh, you won't get dinged. But if you want to take notes, I got some notes for you to take in your bullets in there. And there's some clipboards on the seats too, if that'll help. Consolation means the hope that brings me peace. Okay. It's the hope that brings me peace. Peace. And the word that Luke uses when he writes this story, he, it's originally written in Greek. He uses the word paraklesis. Paraklesis is the same word that Jesus uses in another book of the Bible when he promises the people, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit to you. So that word paraklesis, comforter, consolation, also refers to the Holy Spirit. So this isn't just the kind of comfort you get, um, uh, I don't know, after you go to the chiropractor with a backache, he adjusts you, and then you feel a little bit better for a while. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about ultimate comfort. Consolation is the hope that brings me peace. And so when, when Simeon saw Jesus... That's a, it's a wild claim, isn't it? He sees this little child, a baby still, and he says, there, that's the consolation of Israel, right there in that woman's arms. See, for a Christian, this is the next thing I'll have you jot down. For a Christian, we have to remember that hope is not wishful thinking. 
When Christians or the Bible talk about hope, we're not talking about, I hope I win the lottery. I hope my husband is in a good mood tonight. I hope the kids obey and go to bed easy. We're not talking about that. When, we're talk, when a Christian is talking about hope, we're talking about an expectation. Christian hope is expectation. Now, what if I've given you that definition? What's the consolation that most of our friends and neighbors are looking for? What's the consolation? What is the hope that they have, the expectation? Here, I think we're getting into why there's a lot of grumpy folks at Walmart. Because there's a lot of wishful thinking happening all over the place. But what do you expect to get out of life? That's where a lot of people either just don't know or they expect to get dumped on. They expect to get dumped on. And then, what have we done, though? As an American church, we've taken the wishful thinking side of it, and we've shown them this thing called the American dream, and we've said, you know, this is possible for any of you. You can all raise yourself up by your bootstraps. You can achieve. You can get promoted. You can get the degree. You can do all these things. You can become something. And then you know what? Here we are. It's 2023, almost 2024, and almost everybody has. Even really poor people in our society are living high on the hog compared to people ever to live any other time. We're the richest people that have ever lived on the earth, and yet we're the most depressed So we've given them the American dream. We're the most comfortable people who have ever lived. We're the longest living people. We have the best medical care. And yet we're the most depressed and anxious because the things that we think of when we have wishful thinking, if only I had that, if only I had this, my life would be better. My life would be fine. My life would be great. It's not true. And now I think in this historical moment that we're living in, people are waking up all over the place. And they're like, I have it all. And it's not the answer. What's wrong with me? Why am I so unhappy? Why isn't life working? So what's a Christian supposed to look forward to? Here, I'm gonna be a little bit hard on church people again. Because for a while, as the, you know, from the 50s on, and, and we had this big economic boom, and we became this, you know, this international economic giant, every, you know, two cars in every garage, 2.5 kids, all the golden retrievers running around all over the place. We gave them everything. And then so the church was left with thinking like, well, what else do we have to offer? And so we came up with, with, with this idea of heaven. Well, we didn't really come up with it. It's in the Bible for sure, and heaven's real. But we said, not only do you get the American dream, you get to go to heaven when you die too. Ain't that grand. Now go chase the American dream. Well, people did. They chased the American dream. And then they start thinking about heaven. Now what do they think about when they think about heaven? Clouds? Gold? Angels? I don't know. What do you think about when you think about heaven? Seeing great-grandma again? But the church is telling you that that's supposed to be your ultimate hope. How can that get me out of bed in the morning? How can that help me when things... It's like 
I can't hang my hat on any of that. I can't, I can't, none of that's real to me because I don't have a frame of reference. I've never floated on a cloud before. I've never seen an angel before. I have never hung, no, the Christian's hope, this is important. The Christian's hope is for Jesus. Not just heaven. Yes, heaven. I'm not saying that heaven's not real. I'm not saying that you shouldn't hope for heaven. Heaven is real. So is hell. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying the Christian hope that's really gonna make a difference is Jesus himself. The hope that we're supposed to have is stated clearly in that three-part refrain. Some of y'all grew up in churches that would say this all the time. Christ has, you know what I'm saying? Christ has died. What comes next? Christ is risen. Christ will what? Christ will come again. That's the hope, folks. That's heaven. So when Simeon says, I can die now because I've seen Jesus. Jesus is there in front of Simeon. Jesus is going to go away, but Jesus is going to come back again. Jesus is going to come back again, not to whisk us away to a heaven full of fog machines and neon lights and clouds and babies with wings. No, Jesus is going to come again to resurrect, as it were, the heavens and the earth, to complete the act of Christmas. I don't know where this got lost. Somewhere in the last 100 years, though, because for the first 2,000 years, every Christian knew what it was about. But then in the last 100 years or so, it kind of got lost. I'm not quite sure how. But Jesus is coming back to resurrect you and me. And to resurrect, that means bring back from the dead, change, just like Jesus was changed when he went into the grave and came back. Change, resurrect, new life, reborn, heavens and the earth, and you and me. Now, how does this affect now, how does this affect you and give you hope for how you go about your day, your week, into the new year? How could this affect Grumpy Gertrude? I won't beg on Gus anymore. Grumpy Gertrude at the Walmart who can't quit yelling at her kids. How's this supposed to help her? I'll tell you. Because Jesus is coming back to resurrect the heavens and the earth and you and me, Everything out there in this world that you look at and you just know that in your gut, mm, it, it, that should not be that way. That just shouldn't happen. Everything like that is going to go away. It's all going to become untrue. It's going to be changed to conform with the values of the kingdom of heaven because that's what Jesus is bringing with him. His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, will be here on earth as it is in heaven. Ever hear that prayer? Ever say that prayer? The Lord's prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus taught us that prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus doesn't tell you to pray prayers unless they're going to come true. Can we, we can't wrap our minds around a, a cloudy, foggy, angelic, great-grandma Gertrude, uh, I use Gertrude at Walmart, great-grandma Martha, uh, heaven. We can't, we can't wrap our minds around that because it's just, but you know what? You can wrap your minds around a river and you can imagine what a perfectly clean river 
looks like. You can wrap your minds around a relationship and you can imagine what a relationship with no problems would look like. You can wrap your minds around cancer, around what that means, what that's like, and you can imagine a world where, no, where there's no cancer. You've never seen that world, but you can imagine a world where there's no cancer. You can, you can wrap your minds around politics, but you, you, you can only use your imagination to imagine what if the politicians all only wanted to please and glorify God because that's what's coming. And the government will be upon his shoulders, not on Trump's, not on Biden's. Thank God. Hallelujah. Right. Heaven is what happens when Jesus returns and remakes this world. That's what happens. That's what the biblical truth is. That's what we're waiting for. So, What then does Christmas have to do with this hope? Try, you came to a church on a Christmas Eve service. It better have something to do with this, don't you think? Christmas is the down payment. Or to put it another way, Christmas is the proof that God will finish what God started. God will finish what God started. You see, God really did become a man and walk among us. God really did take the sin of the world on his back, suffered and died under under its weight, buried it in the grave, and rose victorious again. God really does promise that same victory over sin and death to you both now and in his kingdom that is to come. If you'll give your life to Jesus now. And scripture is also clear that there will be a great many people for whom when Jesus returns, they will say, no way. God really does promise, however, the same victory over sin and death that Jesus won for you. He promises that for you, both now and in his kingdom to come, if you will give your life to Jesus now. Christmas is everything. Because if Christmas isn't true, if this is just fluff and hallmark, cute kids, nice looking candles, if that's all it is, then Jesus was just a man and his death could not have been for the sin of the world. No mere man could do that. Only God could. Only God. So lastly, you might think this is my sales pitch to you. So be it. Lastly, why church? Why church? And the answer to that question is this, simply this, because real hope comes from nowhere else. Real hope comes from nowhere else. The hope that everyone else is selling you is counterfeit or temporary. It won't make you happy. You'll be sold one product after another. You'll get excited about one political campaign after another. You'll live in fear of losing something. Here, in this place, you will be reminded 
no matter what's happening out there, Jesus is still coming back. Here, you'll be reminded who Jesus is. King of kings and Lord of lords, scripture says. King of kings. Kings, that's a, pol- that's a politician. Kings. So when our politicians get it right, you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to say, now, can you imagine if they always did it like that? Because that's how it's going to be someday. And when our politicians screw it up or let us down, I'm going to say, what'd you expect? Jesus is the only politician who's going to reign correctly, who's going to rule perfectly. But he's coming one day. He's really coming. Lord of Lords. You know what that title means? It means Father of Fathers. Ancient people would use the term Lord for a respected male figure. They're really talking about fathers. So when your parents get it right, you know what I'm going to do? At a place like this, I'm going to say, look at that dad. Look at that mom. Look how much they love their kids. Isn't that beautiful? Can, Can you believe that our Heavenly Father loves us even more than that? Can you believe that our Heavenly Family is going to be even greater than that? And when your parents fail, because so many of our, too many of our parents have painfully failed us, when your parents fail, you know what I'm going to tell you? Something like this, you know, it hurts. It's not right. And they're sinners too. Jesus is the only one who will ever love you perfectly. And he's real and he's with you and he's coming again. That's the kind of stuff that you need to hear again and again and again and again in Christian community, in a worship setting, in the music you listen to, in the podcast you hear. You got to hear that stuff again and again and again because all the other promises will very quickly make you forget. They will drown the truth out in a second. All the other promises. So I'm hoping that you will join us here. We have a lot of visitors here tonight. I will, I'm hoping that you will join us here. And it's not because I want your money or because I want to grow a church empire or something silly like that. Heavens no. And it's not because I want you to go to heaven when you die. Though, of course, I do. I want you to be with me in Christ's kingdom. I want you here because it is our job and our privilege to announce to the entire world the perfect is coming. He is coming. The answer is coming. The consolation of Israel and all God's people is coming back. It's our job and it's our privilege to look like that coming kingdom and how we live together, how we love each other even when we're unlovable and how we worship together. The church is the vehicle through which God brings his son to the world today. It's the church, the people. And by church, I mean people. It's not institution. The church is the people of Christ. Though the gathering is important. The church is the vehicle through which God brings his son to the world today. The church is the new and better Simeon saying to a lonely and hurting and weary world, look, Here is your consolation, your ultimate comfort. Come to Jesus, repent, be baptized, begin your life anew, and begin to look forward to the coming of his kingdom here on earth 
as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Musicians, go ahead and come on up as I offer the prayer. Father, we pray that you would send us on our way today with a newfound excitement for the future, for the future, for the world as it will soon be when you return to it and claim what's yours. Fill us with an excitement. Fill us with that enthusiasm and an optimism that other people can see in us and want to know more about. Equip your church, Father, because the voices of pessimism, of anger, of fear, of doom and gloom, they're so loud and they're so strong. Equip your church and strengthen her, Lord, so that we might stand and withstand the arrows of the evil one. Would you do this for us, Lord? We're so thankful if you would. Praying in Jesus' name, amen.